Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And in today's Bible study, we are going to continue our series on the judgments. And this is part 25 out of 31 in this series. So today we want to consider what was or what is the purpose of the Bema. So we find that, number one, the Bible tells us it is not punitive. So the judgment seat of Christ, which is also known as the Bema seat of Christ, number one, we need to understand that it is not punitive. In the English language, it is translated judgment. But it comes from the Greek word Bema, which meant a platform. Back in the days when the Apostle Paul was writing this passage, you, you need to understand that he was writing it from an athletic point of view, from the athletic games that were happening in Rome. And he's writing the text from that part, or from that point of view, I'm sorry. So, just like you compete in the Olympic Games and their awards, and the athletes rise to their to the podium. Well, in those days, they came to the Bema, which was a raised platform where the governor of Rome and all of the dignitaries would wait for the athlete. And whoever won, let's just say the race, would get a laurel bestowed upon them. However, no judgment and no harm came to those who did not win. And there was never any uh, harsh labor or, or any punishment for not winning a race. So the Apostle Paul is writing these passages from that concept that we are all engaging in a, in, in, in a spiritual Olympics and that we need to run a good race for the Lord so we can get the crown or we can get the laurel bestowed upon us before the Lord. Amen. Okay, so we find that it is not to judge believers for sin of any kind, confessed or unconfessed. And the scripture teaches that for the believers, God's justice has already been fully and forever satisfied at the cross in relation to the believer's sin. If God were to punish the believer judiciously for his sins, for which Christ has already rendered payment, he would be requiring two payments for sin and would therefore be unjust. And such a concept, like a punishment for sin, erroneously disparages the all-sufficiency of Christ's death on the cross. And sadly, there are uh, pastors that that teach this and uh, er they're totally wrong. Christ paid the penalty for the believer's pre and post conversion sins. The believer will forfeit rewards. That will happen. The believer will forfeit rewards which he could have received, but he will not be punished in the judicial sense of paying for his sins. And scripture teaches us that all sins, both confessed and unconfessed, have been forgiven 
and taken care of by the work of Christ on the cross, so the Christian will never face those sins again at the judgment. Now the following verses demonstrate the basic principle of the complete and finished nature of Christ's work. Let us read from Hebrews 10 verse 14, and I'm reading out of the NIV version of the Bible. All of the scriptures that I will be sharing with you today uh, will be from the NIV interpretation of the Bible. For by grace, one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Romans 5.19 For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. Colossians 2 and verse 10 let us read, please. And in Christ you have been brought to fulfillness. He is the head over every power and authority. These verses state the complete results or the conclusion. And in Hebrews 8 verses 12, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So friends, when you become a Christian, and when you accept Christ in your life, if it comes from your heart and you're sincere, what does he say to you in Hebrews 8, 12? For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 10, verses 17 through 18. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Isaiah 44 and verse 22. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And that's what Jesus says to anybody who's not walking with him. He's asking you to return to him, for he has redeemed you. And I don't care who you are, what you've done, he loves you. Don't let anyone ever tell you that Jesus doesn't love you. He loves you. He died for you. And he has redeemed you. Your part is, will you accept him as your Lord and Savior? But that's on you. That's not on him. Psalms 103 and verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far he, so far has he removed our tranquility from us. Micah 7.19 You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our inequities into the depths of the sea. Isaiah 38 and verse 17 
Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all of my sins behind your back. And we find that the following verses that we're going to look at will show why we cannot come into judgment. And we find because Christ has borne our judgment by being made a curse in our place. Romans 5.1, the title of this part of the passage in the Bible is called Peace and Hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1, this part of the Bible is entitled Life Through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You understand? Did you hear that? Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. John 3, 18. Whoever, red, white, green, whatever you are, I don't care the color of your hair or no hair, you're bald like me, thank God. But whoever believes him, or who, who, I'm sorry, let's start again. John 3, 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So friends, there's a decision there. If you believe in the Lord, you are not condemned. If you choose not to believe in the Lord, then you already stand condemned. But see, friends, Christianity is a relationship. Let us stop here for a second. It's not that we earn anything to justify us having eternal life. There's nothing that we can do to earn eternal life. It is a free gift from Christ. But on our part, the only requirement is if we will repent of our sins and if we will ask Christ to come into our lives and become our Lord and Savior. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with works. And don't allow anyone to tell you anything different if you have a pastor that says well you know so and so you know we're thinking about building this a library or whatever but we're short on funds but i'm sure that the lord would look favorably upon you um if you donated a uh, hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is um and i'm sure he's going to forgive you of all of your sins Friends, your, fin your sins, all of them, are forgiven for free. Jesus is the only one that can forgive your sins. So don't let anyone tell you differently. Or if someone tells you, you know, you think that your loved one is in, in, in Hades. 
Oh, you know, if you made a contribution and if you had so many uh, special services for this person, um, God is going to look favorably upon you. And maybe if you made a, a million dollar donation to the church, um, I'm sure that God's going to release that person from Hades. No, friends. You either accept Christ in this life or you don't. And if you don't, you can donate a billion dollars. It will not get the person out of Hades. God is not for sale. And as we're reading, eternal life is a gift from God. And it's 100% free. It doesn't cost you a penny. Amen? John 5.24 Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Show me there, friends, where it says that you have to pay a penny. Just a penny. No, friends. John 5.24 again tells us, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes, him who sent me has eternal life, and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Now, the question arises, then why do we have to confess sin in this life? And let's see what the Word of God tells us. And we're going to start by analyzing uh, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And why does God judge believers for unconfessed, unconfessed sin as he did with Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5? And some of the believers in Corinth, for example, in, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty one, he says, Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For example, if you know that you have sinned, before you partake of the Lord's Supper and before you drink of the wine, Ask for forgiveness of your sins. You know you've done wrong. We know we've done wrong. And I equate this to a relationship. Let's just say that you have a relationship and uh, you see your, your other half uh, maybe doing something wrong, maybe engaging in... And, and stealing a candy from a, from a store, or maybe the, your other half is involved in an extra, uh, extramarital or extramarital affair, and you see your other half walking out of a place where these things happen. Friends, it's the same thing. If we do wrong and we don't confess this, our sins to the Lord, it's like you're cheating on him, because he knows. And all it requires is, Father, I sinned against you. Please forgive me, and let's move on. 
Now we find that unconfessed sin relates to the fellowship in this life, not one's relationship or standing with God. For example, unconfessed sin stands as a barrier to the fellowship with the Lord and his control over one's life. As we find in Amos 3.3, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? And obviously the answer is no. So you see, confession means we agree with God concerning our sin. And we want to get back under God's control. Because we know that sin and God cannot cohabitate. It'll never happen. Quote, Daily forgiveness of those who are within the family of God is distinguished from judicial and positional forgiveness, which was applied forensically to all of a person's sins the moment he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, unquote. And we need to distinguish between fellowship, forgiveness, and legal or forensic forgiveness that justifies us and gives us a standing before God through Christ. And some key scriptures that relate to this issue can be found in Hebrews 12.5. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. 1 Corinthians 11, 28 through 32, starting at verse 28, please let us read. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So in other words, if you start taking and partaking of the Lord's Supper without confessing your sins, you're taking that judgment on yourself. And this is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Verse 32, Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. Let us examine these passages that explain the nature of God's judgment of believers in this life. It is discipline designed to train and bring believers back to a walk with God. And they teach us the basic cause of discipline is failure to examine and confess known sins because that hinders our fellowship with Jesus. And for example, in Hebrews 4, 13 through 15, we read, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything 
is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give an account. Friends, there's nothing that we can do that he doesn't know, that he doesn't see. Let us not be prideful. And many times our pride gets in the way. And that's why we don't ask God for forgiveness. Friends, don't be prideful. We're going to leave that pride to our adversary. The same one who got thrown out of heaven, him and his other angels. Let us be humble and just repent for your sins. Amen. And it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Condemned along with the world. This is a part of the this is the next part of our study. And we find verses to this uh, to this subject in 1 Corinthians 11:32. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. It's no different, friends, as a parent disciplining a child when he sees that the child is doing something different. And you're disciplining your child in order to correct a certain behavior, which you can see that down the road may cause problems for your child. And that is what the Lord does with us. So we find that this aforementioned verse most likely refers to the judgment of as we find in Romans 1.24, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. The moral degeneration and the gradual breakdown in the moral fiber of men when they turn away from God. is what This is what it leads to. And the same thing happens in the life of believers. But God brings discipline to stop that process. Secondly, we find that God does not judge us for our sin in the sense of making us pay the penalty for that sin. For we find that scripture teaches that Christ's death was all sufficient, completely satisfying God's wrath towards sin in the believer. The question of sin in regard to God's justice has been forever satisfied in the mind of God by the all-sufficient sacrifice of His Son. The penalty for the believer's sins has been fully paid for by Christ, the believer's substitute. The Christian has been in court, condemned, sentenced, and executed in his substitute Jesus Christ and God cannot exact payment for sins twice since payment has been fully and forever paid for the believer is seen by the father as clothed in the righteousness of Christ and God can therefore find no cause for accusing the Christian judicially 
any more than he can find cause for accusing Jesus Christ. Therefore, the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema, forensic punishment will not be meted out for the believer's sins. Rather, God disciplines us as a father disciplines his sons to bring us back into fellowship that we might be conformed to his son. For friends, it is a, it is a family matter. Amen. And I would like to encourage you this day, my friend, that if you have never given your life to Jesus, this is your day. God paid the price. You can't pay for God to give you eternal life. It's free. It's free the day that he was crucified. Not only were all of our sins forgiven, for he bared on, on himself, the Father bared them all on him, but he also showed us the way to heaven when he was resurrected. I ask you to think of yourself with your hand extended and that you want to greet a friend and your friend walks by and doesn't even acknowledge you. And then I would ask you to think of Jesus holding out his hand to you, extending his hand to you, loving you, watching you every day, and wanting to be a part of your life. But for whatever reason, you walk by and you don't acknowledge him. And how do you think he feels? But you know, we don't send, we don't serve a vengeful God. We serve a God that loves you, that's ready to forgive you. I don't care whatever sins you've made. He will forgive them all. And if this day you would like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to say a prayer, and I would ask you to please follow along. Heavenly Father, I come before your throne. I ask you for forgiveness of all of my sins. I ask you to come into my life and become my Lord and my Savior this day. And from this day forward, Father, I want to take your hand and walk with you. I want to talk to you. I want you to talk to me. Guide me. Love me. Father, you know the situation that I am. Please give me hope. And please make a way for me. And I accept the sacrifice that you made for me on Calvary. In Jesus' mighty name. Friend, if you said that, I do believe that you were born again. I encourage you to go to the Bible bookstore and find yourself a Bible that as you read the translation stands out to you. And that's the Bible for you. I would also encourage you to go to all of your weekly Bible studies. Go to your Sunday schools, some Bible studies. And go to the sermons that they're offering in church. 
Find yourself a good Bible preaching and teaching church. And friends, when you accumulate all of that information for that given week, and if you are working during the hours that some of these classes are taking place, maybe you can reach out to the to the teacher that's teaching the class and maybe they can email you what it was that they taught so that you can follow up on your own devotional time. But I would ask you that before you start matriculating that information, that you would ask the Lord to give you understanding, to open your understanding. And then I would ask you to have to ask the Lord to give you remembrance so you could remember where you've read those scriptures that may end up helping someone else. And then I would ask you, friends, to be humble. Teach the word of God like he did. As a matter of fact, in the Bible it says, be gentle. And should anyone confess a sin to you of something that they're going through, maybe they're going through Alcoholics Anonymous, maybe they're recovering from drugs, or whatever the situation is, maybe they're contemplating a divorce, please, don't tell everybody in the church. Help that person keep their secret. And let it be you and that person that pray to God for God's wisdom and intervention. And I would say that God has given you that soul for you to mentor, for you to guide and protect. And if you can, Call that person during the week. See how they're doing. If they need professional counseling and they're scared or they're ashamed, make the call for them. And if you have the time, go with them. Sometimes we need someone to hold our hands and help us. There's no shame in that. And like I said, Please don't share that information with anyone. Amen. Friends, I always close out all of my podcasts in remembrance of the late Pastor John H. Osteen. For Pastor Osteen coined the very best phrase I have ever heard from a from a pastor. And I will share that with you momentarily. But I want you to know that this phrase does not come from me but rather the late Pastor John H. Osteen. And Pastor Osteen would close out all of his TV sermons, and man, he was a fireball. His arms were moving backwards and forwards, and he was just so charismatic. I loved seeing him on TV. I loved, uh, my wife loved him also. And he would say, friends, Keep Jesus first place in your life and he will take you places that you've never dreamed of. Amen. Friends, thank you for your time and for the privilege of being able to share Christ with you. 
And I look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast as we continue our series on the judgments. May God's blessings be upon you and yours today and always in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, friends.